We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the Golden Bearcast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Andy. Alongside me is Rob. What's up, man? It's Sunday night with football being all over. Actually, no, no. Football's not all over. There's Monday Night Football, which my Chargers are playing. But I won't be able to watch because I'll be at a doubleheader basketball game at Hospitalian. But we'll talk about that one later. But uh, I'm trying to be as energetic as I possibly can. Can you, can you hear it in my voice? I have a, a I cracked open a Limoncello Lacroix. Nice. Uh, it's delicious, by the way. Um, and uh, I'm trying to enjoy my Sunday night hanging out with you. Good. We need the energy. That's about it. Yeah. That's about it. it. But that's, it as far as, that's as far as I'm going to get. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, if, if we can do one thing, maybe it's like our collective energy. Let's put it out into the universe and maybe somehow, some way that'll get us to a bowl game at six and six. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You don't have social media. These Nick put out a tweet of like, because he saw the Washington state line, which I think is like one and a half. And he said, there's a 30% chance that we're going to be entering or going to the Rose Bowl for the final time, five and six with a chance to go six and six. Classic. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I think that perfectly sets up the the double segment that we have for today. We couldn't record last week due to schedule, massive scheduling conflicts on my side where we intended to record, so that was all on me. It's not on Rob, so thank you to everybody for bearing through that. However, today we're going to do a double segment. We have the USC game. We're going to go through that. We're going to digest some of the bigger plays that happened in that game, talk about some bigger decisions, and then we'll flip to the Oregon game, which... Candidly, there's really not that much to talk about. That no, was not really exactly as I expected, and if, if not for the first quarter. So Rob's going to fill us in on first quarter madness and a little bit of fun in Austin before everything kind of went to shit, uh, for lack of a better <laughs> way of putting it. 
Then we'll talk about some questions. We'll dive into some basketball because the hype is real, apparently. That's what I keep hearing. Madsen's the real deal. And people ask me about it. And I say, yeah, we're going to the tournament. And the <laughs> reason why I say that is because our head coach said it. So it's not just me being an optimist. He literally said it himself. And so until proven otherwise, Cal's a tournament team. You heard it here second because Madsen said it first. All right. Man, you, Andy, Andy, did you like take a class on like being a radio show host? Like just because that that one minute monologue was just it was like oh my god 95.7 the game that you could be hired right now man that was incredible holy crap all right calm down down. (laughs) it was though that's the that's the greatest like non-stop like just i don't know how you even did that it's it's i i don't know i've no 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 tangents no tangents just just you just yeah that was snow piercer like right down the middle Good deal. Wow. I'll do. Uh, I'll play That's two a- tennis matches every single time we record, <laughs> and maybe that just locks me in. Maybe it's the adrenaline that's still pumping through your head right now. That's, yes, that's probably a hundred percent. If I'm going to do one thing well today, it might as well be the podcast. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, vibe check. So, mm. speaking of tennis, my day for USC and this game could not have been more perfect in ultimately deciding what my experience was all day, basically, which was a total disaster. (laughs) (laughs) I played in a very important tennis match against, actually, Peter Wright, the former Cal coach. I played the worst match I've played in five to seven years. So basically just embarrassed embarrassed myself in front of the guy that brought me to Cal. It was awesome. Couldn't have, was stoked. All, All good. Then played another match, lost in a third set tiebreak. Awesome. Great. That's how I started my day going into USC. Double L's. And then <laughs> I roll over and the vibes, I thought the vibes were immaculate. Sure. Just energy everywhere. My fraternity randomly playing. I was like, wow, they're really blasting. They must be throwing a rager. I go and look <laughs> and it's just like someone blasting music for an empty courtyard. I was like, ah, something's never changed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the game, my dad, I'm texting my dad. I was a little late. Tennis ran over and my dad texts me. He's like, no worries at all. The game hasn't started yet yep. because there's a protest in the middle of the field. Yep. And as the ethos that is Cal, most people in the audience were like, well, it's Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> But what a wild start. I mean, end to end, this game took four plus hours. Yep. And I think I did originally when we were going to have our podcast last week, one of my talking points was actually going to be about the length of these college football games and how much of a problem I think it is now seeing this lens of a new world as a parent. Because for me to spend four hours anywhere is almost impossible now. Yep. Um. But we don't have enough time to talk about that today, but it did want to just highlight it. It was a long game and was made longer by the protests at the beginning. Yep. And then, you know, this this magical thing sort of started happening (laughs) where the game kicked off and I I think it was SE 10-0 on us. Yeah, 10-0 with with, uh, five minutes left in the first quarter. And I believe... Before the game and our on our podcast, I had said, I don't doubt that Cal is going to be able to score above 30 
to 40 points in this contest. But that my main concern and your main concern and our collective concern was that the defense would give up 50. Yep. And I quoted that to my dad. And I promise you after the game, he was like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like, you know, yeah, it was just one of those funny moments. So that's my perspective. I'm in the stadium. I'm in my new seats. Shout out to my ticket rep. Again, Meta, yes. Meta, who's amazing, got a, not only to have I upgraded my seats, so yeah, jokes, jokes on me based on how the season has gone. But she hooked it up with like sideline field club tickets. I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this on air, but it was really dope. My dad absolutely loved it, and it was super cool to create a moment for my dad and I. The, the last time we're gonna play SC, maybe ever. Yeah. And we were right there. And the whole time, Rob, the whole time. I had forgotten, of course, because I never remember anything, that you were in L.A. Yep. for a wedding yep. because somebody had broken the golden rule, which is yep. actually hilarious because both one of my friends who went to Cal broke the rule, had a wedding this fall during season, and then you also had one. Yep. So we need to find new friends. We do. But I want to understand a little bit of like what's going on in your world as I'm now entering the stadium. Got it. Got it. I did call you at one point. I don't remember exactly when I called you. I I just called it. You called me when we were up like four, we were up 14. We were up 14, right? Okay, good. Um, so, all right. So that, so my day started off me waking up, uh, at my buddy's place, their dog sitting, his sister's dog. Um, he's married. Um, and so there's a dog in the house, an amazing uh, golden doodle by the name of Champ. Um, so adorable. Uh, they go to drop him off at his dad's house because we have a wedding to go to and he doesn't want the dog to be at home by himself for so long. And parents live in the valley. We're basically downtown L.A. So he's like, can I just leave you in the house for like a few hours? I was like, yeah, great. That's fine. Um, I'll throw a rager by myself. Um, so. I'm just, yeah, just wait, watching other college football games. I can't remember what game I was watching in the morning. And then game time comes around-ish, and I was like, all right, I'm going to time this perfectly. I'm going to Uber Eats a lunch, um, and I'm going to hop in the shower real quick, get out, and as I'm drying my hair, food should arrive. I should have the food to for the viewing of the game. Great. This is amazing. Order order some, like, salt and pepper wings from a Chinese restaurant with some, like, orange chicken and fried rice, like a little combo plate. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy my life. Uh, and this and, is in preparation for the USC Cal game? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This is, like, at, like, 11, 1130-ish. Because the what is the wedding at, like, 430? The, the wedding's at, time? like, 430. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I got plenty of time. I got the house. He's like, I'm not going to be back till like, 230. I was like, all right, great. Uh, I hop in the shower. And then I come back out, perfect timing. Uber guy is like, oh, I'm here. I go outside, pick up my food, come back. I like, all right, I'm going to go dry my hair real quick. Dry my hair, come out, turn on, turn the TV back on. And I'm like, all right, uh, look, the, look at the clock. It's like, you know, I think 12.58 or something like that. And I'm like, all right, TV broadcast, game. So usually that means kickoff's probably like, what, 105, 106-ish. Perfect timing. Grab a drink from the fridge, sit down, open up my food, get a couple bites in. I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I look up <laughs> and it's just a wide shot of the stadium and just this group of people sitting at the 50-yard line. And I'm like, what 
what's going on? <laughs> like what what is what is happening? And then because I because re- I was I didn't have the volume up. I like had music playing. So they turned the music off and I turned on the the volume of the 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 broadcast and they're like yeah there's just some people sitting at the 50 yard line in protest of of something um and i was like oh 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 great so like my i'm like well i can't enjoy my food as it gets colder so i might as well start eating (laughs) by the time i was done eating the game hadn't kicked off yet (laughs) like it was they had just started to get some more police officers like to escort them out of the stadium um and then that's that's how my day started. And then the game started, and I'm just like, okay, we're down 10-0. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, all right, this feels like one of those games. Can we can we get back a couple of scores? Can we get back in this? You know, we scored a touchdown on the Jaden run. Then SC answers again with another touchdown. So it's like 17-7. I was like, oh, okay, is, is this one of those games where it's constantly going to be in reach, but we're not going to just be able to compete? Like, it, it that's how the game flow kind of felt for me. Yeah. No, I, I think that was exactly I, – I, I sort of came in feeling very confident that it was going to be a back-and-forth game that we had talked about. And then at the be- after the beginning, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those games. You know, yeah. we've, we've just been through it. and we, yeah. we know what it looks like. Yeah. All right, SC's going to blow us out, and that's going to be the end of this. And, and I was sort of just resigned to that. And then it wasn't that. Jaden was like, nope. And, I mean, <laughs> that man, when he gets – a foot of space is just it's, goodbye. It's just like old Java days, you yep. know. It's just it's yep. to the house. It's so fun to see. He just has that next gear, and you watch some of these defensive backs. And like, dude, these are USC defensive backs. They are super fast, and he they just can't. They can't close on him, and he puts he puts space between yep. himself and defenders that are trying to chase him down. And and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the defense started to actually hold SC and all like, yeah, the entire vibe, my entire perspective went from, okay, this is a game that like, hopefully we're going to be in to, this is a game that we should win. Mm-hmm. This is a dangerous place to be. Yep. It's where I was living. Yep. And I don't know. I kind of want to, uh, you know, fast forward here. This was a game that Cal had to do very special things in order to lose. And I know that we are all very much resigned to the reality that as a Cal fan, we should endure as much suffering and pain as humanly possible. And I feel like there was a lot of collective, like, hey, we survived the Cheez-It Bowl, we survived Bus 2, and we survived the USC Cal game of 2023. We survived ourselves, like the Bears didn't survive, but like we were still alive. So, (laughs) hey. Yeah. Right. Like it kind of felt like that was the vibe. Yeah. And I I told you this yesterday, so this is not a surprise to you, but it was something that I wanted to state here on state here on record, because I don't think a lot of fans have heard me say this as adamantly as I'm going to say this, which is this is a poorly coached football team. The fundamentals of of like the fun the the fundamentals we are we are failing the fundamentals failing and I understand that the game script with Afonso getting hurt and Ott getting hurt and Stretic coming in 
which was weird, by the way, because it like wasn't Shreddick for a while. And I thought we like, might have been playing like a like a, someone that was like a DB at running back. <laughs> yep. And then Shreddick, I was like, where's where did Shreddick go in the first place? And the first play, they hand him the ball and he puts it on the ground. And Fernando had a couple of plays where he put it on. You know, they had the RPO that went wrong at the yep. beginning. Um, there's just so many mistakes. And the benefit of the doubt that I give to Wilcox is at the end of the day, we will be a well-coached football team. I walked out of that stadium like, this is a shit coach football team. There are so many mistakes, so many errors. To the, the situation, the game script for SC to win this game had to go perfectly as it went. No hiccups. It was like we had to implode at every point in which we did in order for SC to have a chance. And Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah, but I will never in a million years understand why that wasn't fair caught. And I'm not going to fault him, as I think other takes on this have said, oh, he shouldn't fight for extra yards. Hey, you decide to return it. It is what it is. I don't think like his ball security was actually pretty good in that situation. Just somebody you don't expect somebody coming. It, it was just a weird play. The ball gets loose, but that ball's got to be fair caught. Like there's ten, there's no situation in which the you have a chance to. We could have just if we had that possession, we put the game away. That's it. Like we had, or even or even flipping the field. If we had gone or, three and yeah. out on that, Great you point. flip that field. I think that's that's different. Take, taking the clock. I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly, dude. You had to do. You had to fail in a spectacular way in order to lose that game. And Ted. Fucking Robinson knew it. Boy, that sounded angry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he, I don't, look, Ted, I've heard Ted's a super nice dude. I do not understand why he is so anti-Cal. But for whatever reason, it is. And it was so frustrating watching this game again and hearing him actively saying that, basically cheering for the fact that Cal is going to implode. And then was rewarded for that behavior. I think that's like, it just, oh my gosh. Like my, ang- I had so much anger and then I got rid of it and I came back and I rewatched it and was like, I'm upset again. And <laughs> it's all Ted's fault. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Rob. But so the end of this game, and we're, we're going to talk about the, Great debate, and we'll talk about the two-point decision. But the end of this game for me was one of the most frustrating moments I've had in the Wilcox era because I think it forced me to have to come to a certain truth, which is this isn't the first time that we've lost a game due to poor fundamentals. Yeah, We lose games like this, and other people have called this out appropriately so, but we lose a lot of games like this. I'd argue like we the TCU game, like there's there's so many games. Even the and then what I started to revisit in my head was I was going back and thinking about the Arizona game, and thinking about these games where we were like, well, it was the players, because I, like I uh, I very clearly said it was McElwain on the podcast, yeah, a while ago, 
but I did. I was like, ah, you're talking, players you're about that be- 2018 game, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But we're going way back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but you start to notice the trend, which is in clutch moments or in moments where the game is on the line, our team folds and our team folds not like from a competitiveness level. They they fold because they just make fundamentally dumb mistakes. And it's hard to continue to want to invest in that. I feel like the baseline for me is higher and I don't ask for that much. I just want us to win six to eight games a year. I don't care about competing for national titles. The Rose Bowl would be great, but I think if I'm being honest, I don't know if we're ever going to get to the Rose Bowl. So I well, just not anymore. six to eight wins. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, let me stop. I would love your thoughts here. So what what is what is the conversation we're having right now? Is it because it's not about the two point conversion? We're definitely we're going to have that in a little bit. But you just want my takes on the game? Is so you and I had very different reactions to this reactions to this game. Yeah. My interpretation of your reaction, which I do not know was accurate, yeah. was that hey, hey, crazy game, wild game script. We were in it to the end, didn't go our way. You know, sloppy play, some definitely stuff you would like back, but overall entertaining, right? The entertainment level. Uh, it's like 120 percent. Yeah, was high. But mine was shocking because the week before we potted and I said, I haven't had a game that ruined my day. This one ruined my day, but I had a <laughs> shitty day already. I was already having a bad day, but boy, this didn't help. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you, you had my understanding of the game, I think, or my interpretation of the game perfectly right. And I don't know what that says about me. Am I at the point now where, like, it's just I'm just ambivalent about wins and losses? Like, is, am I that checked out? Like, I, I need to have, like, a soul-searching moment. Like, I need – maybe I need to go on a darkness retreat. Like, <laughs> I, I think you do. Take them ayahuasca. Like, yeah, Hang maybe, out with Rogers. Yeah, Let me know maybe, how it goes. You rub some dirt on my hands and get, like, a, a, a soul rock or whatever he needs. I know a guy. Um, he went to Cal. You know, he plays quarterback. He'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. DM me his uh, his his Instagram and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send it – I'll send it a little message over. But that's kind of – I. It's a it's a weird one because like I, I guess I came out of that game, and you know, it's weird having. I think that okay. So I, so here I think is the difference. You were at the game and you watched this unfold with your eyes. I had only watched maybe up until midway through the third quarter, and then I was at a, and then I was like getting ready for a wedding. Like I was helping them film the wedding too, so I was just kind of all over the place. Wedding ceremony ends, and I'm like refreshing. And I'm like, it's it's 43-36 with 11 <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I was like, oh, my God, we're potentially going to win this. So, like, you know, we're I'm going for drinks. I'm coming back to my phone. I'm refreshing. Like, and so, and then it just like, and then the game ended. I was, And then, you know, or we score on that touchdown. And then I'm like, okay, are we going for two? Are we not? And I'm just, I'm like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. And then it says like two-point conversion, not successful. And I was like, okay, I guess we won for two. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I, I'm not mad at that. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the box score right now. And it's like the last three USC touchdowns, time of possession, 50, 52 seconds, yeah. one minute, 19 seconds, two minute and 50 seconds. The one before that was uh, Brendan Rice's 22 yard pass. And that was eight seconds. So 
And the one before that was a Caleb Williams six-yard run for a, in a minute and 10. So, like, I looked at the clock, and I'm like, all right, there's, there's 58 seconds left. There's no guarantee that the defense is going to hold, like, even into field goal range, right? Like, hold them out of it. So I don't, that's why I didn't mind the two-point conversion. And then, and then I was like, all right, great. That was fun. I had fun while we were up. I had fun while it lasted. Goodbye, SC. I am off to enjoy this wedding. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they decided, look, the, the defense isn't going to, doesn't look like they'll hold even for 58 seconds to allow them to not get into field goal range. And that's why they kind of took their shot. Like, I'm not, so that's why I'm not mad at the shot. Um, I mean, everyone's going to talk about some of the, the holding calls and things that were missed on, a f- you know, on, on that two point conversion, but yeah. you know, it's, I've, I think I'm at the point in my life when I watch football where I'll blame the refs for egregious calls, like, but in a tight game like this, you can never point to just a single play that determined the outcome of the game. And to determine that based on a ref not calling a specific thing, I think is a disservice to to how the entire game went. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm not mad at it. And that's why I'm not, I'm like, sure, I'm upset. Maybe like there was a call there that could have been made, but that's not the reason we lost. No, it's not. And I think one of the, just to go back really fast, what you talked about was a perfect point because I was upset with the defense, but that is a very talented SE offense. And we have the benefit of now watching Washington's defense struggle against that offense. Mm -hmm. But no matter what, there's playmakers there. And at the end of the day, it, the game was won because of field position and like, turnovers they yep. just yeah, exactly your point we just gave them exactly it was like we literally handed had we followed a perfect game script for usc to win that game other than us driving down the field and scoring and almost getting the two-point conversion everything went their way and you know even down to the it was like we fumbled and then we finally like get a fumble on caleb yep. williams and then yep. just give the ball right back it's the two-point conversion, I've heard mixed reactions from various people. Some, why'd you go for two? Others, gotta go for two. I think Nick's article was great about all of the decisions that were made. There were a couple in there. My dad called one out. He was like, why are we going for it on fourth down from our, like, 40? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that didn't go our way and gave SC a short field. The... The two-point conversion to me was more about not in a vacuum. It was like very much what was happening in the game itself. Yep, we were I not concur. stopping SC. Yep. To your point earlier, there was 50-plus seconds left on the clock. And the, the only issue I have with the two-point conversion is the timeout. That, I thought, is was... I. I understand it fundamentally you see how they're lined up take a timeout and maybe call a different play but you give the defense more time to relax and now it's do or die if you don't get it game's over Mm -hmm. whereas if we had stopped them which we did previously 
we could have gotten the ball back and maybe come down the field and and who knows maybe there's a, a a field goal in there maybe i mean it would just add to the lore of the craziness of what this game was like there was potential for this game to go further and we lost it because we called a timeout that's my big thing but i think there's some people you know there's no running backs left you don't have jade not you don't have a fonse stratic fumbled jv like javian's a freshman Thomas Williams is just back from being injured. Like it, it made, there was just like guys that you're pulling off the depth chart that were not supposed to see the field that day. I don't think we had the personnel. I think everyone looked tired. I think if that game goes into overtime, we're going to have a tough time. And, and, and like that's, and at the end of the day too, like it's not just overtime. It's, are we going to be able to hold USC with 50 seconds left from being able to get into field goal range and just like kicking a field goal and calling it a day? Mm-hmm. And to your point, none of this matters if Stratic doesn't fumble or Jeremiah doesn't fumble. Like, none of this matters. Yep. Because by and large, we'll probably win the game. And the game flow would have been very, very different. SC would have been clawing to stay in the game rather than finding themselves in a game they didn't care about. In fact, I actually texted a picture of the USC band to a friend of mine and said, I hate this band so damn much. And her response was, <laughs> me, much like the team, have stopped trying. <laughs> <laughs> stopped trying and stopped caring. I was like, wow, they really don't care. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't even know if SC wanted to win that game. You just didn't get the sense. You saw our sideline and that's the benefit of, you know, the seats that meta yeah. got me so shout out again but to be able to see our players i it's so it's so raw for me rob because i saw our players having the energy that like UNLV had having the energy that Idaho was it Idaho state or Idaho Idaho <laughs> Idaho that Idaho had the uh, the underdogs that were pulling off the, uns- the upset i saw Sam Jackson who was not dressed by the way Pointing over to the SC sideline and talking unlimited smack. Unlimited. And he wasn't even dressed. The game just meant so much to our team. And it meant nothing to USC. It meant very little to their fans. And it meant nothing to their players. And even with that dynamic there, we couldn't take it. They didn't want it. And we couldn't even take it. So yeah, I mean, I was super, I was super frustrated, and we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And, and this is the game that will be the difference between us being bowl eligible and, and not. In, in It's most likely that this will come down to being that game. How many games have we had that now year over year? There's always that one game. We hand the game away and it's the one, I mean, it's the Arizona game. The Arizona game was the difference between us going to a bowl game and not. This game, if we beat Washington State, we beat Stanford, and we lose to UCLA, the USC game will be the one that keeps us out of a bowl game. It'll keep, it's a foundational win for a program going into a, into the ACC it gives the fans something to talk about besides the big game. There's, it's a, I just think that this loss had the largest implications. And I know people were out after the Auburn game, but I remember saying that game didn't matter. And that's exact, this is exactly why. This was the rivalry. This was the team and the administration that's, that effed over the entire conference. This is the, the team that, you know, pulled in our commissioner and then backdoored him and bounced on the conference. This is literally, these are the players that are taking advantage of a system that's arguably broken. This is just the pinnacle of my, like, this is the one team that I root to lose every single week. And I think a lot of Cal fans look at it that way. Yep. And th- and I love when SC comes because it's like, there are there are assholes. <laughs> I feel possessive over them. I'm like, they bring their band and they have hella money. And like, it's like that, that group that they're special in a way. Cause like, yeah, I despise them, but like they're, S- they're my USC. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what sucks. I'm so bummed. We're losing that. And, and that tradition, because I, I actually had appreciation for that. I was like, God, they're so goofy. They play this stupid song a million times. They have like such classic fans. Uh, and yet that's our tradition. And it, and it's leaving. And we just handed them a victory that they didn't care about. And we, we just let that go away. Um, so, yeah. So going into Oregon, I think mentally this was the worst place I've been as a Cal fan. That uh, says a lot. In, in the last... In the, you know, with Cal football, in the I think in the Wilcox era, we should say. You know, it's yeah. not the worst place I've been, but it's pretty bad. I think to your point, you're like, I don't know if I'm checked out. I was like, same thing. The loss hurt me because I think I thought it wouldn't. I thought I was sort of understanding how to reprioritize parts of my life. And then I went there and I watched it and I was like, no, that shit hurt. <laughs> You know? Yep. And it hurt because of years of and years and years and years of losing to SC and going to SC and hosting SC and dealing with the fans and dealing with freaking Pete Carroll and dealing with everything that is that university and taking those L's and have, you know, 2004, all of that into one, the conclusion. It's like end game and it's like freaking Thanos wins. <laughs> Spoiler alert. 
right? Yeah. You're like, cool. Robert Downey Jr. like puts on the thing. He's like, check this out. Does it? Doesn't work. Thanos puts it back on, snaps, and everyone's gone. That's what happened. <laughs> and now we're in Marvel. Universe. <laughs> here, yeah, here comes the tangents. Oh. I, I don't think I could have said it more poetically. Like, that's exactly what, how the game felt and, and exactly what it's it's like afterwards. It's like, we're, there's not going to be a revenge match. There's not going to be a, all right, I, if we did this this year, I think we could be, like, we can beat them next year. Like, we don't have that anymore. It's gone. It's, it's fairy dust. It's just, it's gone. So I think that's what sucks. And that's what. That's honestly what sucks with every single Pac-12 game we were playing this year, but like particularly more to the Pac-12 teams that, you know, all of us have bitter memories against. And USC, of course, is probably at the top of that list. Yep. Yeah, the big game, we will still have it. Right. So, yeah, that matters. But it was almost like this SC game was our big game this year. It was. Yeah. And it reminded me of the big game, I think, in 2020 when we gave that game away. Yep. And I was furious after that game. And I had the same feelings here. So we're going to transition to Oregon. I'm going to no. go to you, Rob, for the vibe <laughs> check. Because my vibe check was, now everybody understands. Andy's checked out. Andy, he's yeah, like, Andy's done. SC game yeah. was like, nuked, nuked me. So yep. it was like, all right, we'll go to Rob for the little bit more joyous, energetic dude i wouldn't say it's joyous or energetic but i mean uh, first of all like once i think what i i don't know when the turning point was i'm like looking at the schedule right now and like all right when was the turning point for me and i'm like i'm i think it's i think it was oregon state which is only three weeks ago uh four weeks ago but oregon state was the point where when we lost that game i was like all right at this point I'm just here for the last go around of the Pac-12. Like I'm, I, I'm gonna root for us to win, but like I'm not gonna expect us to win. That's that's kind of how it's it's gonna be for the rest of the season. So when the Oregon game came around, it's like, all right, we're playing we're playing the Ducks for the final time. Like I'm just gonna enjoy myself. Like you know, going on the Oregon podcast, talking to Hithleday and and Adam and and all of them. Like it, it, you know, we've I've done it for so many years now. It's just it's fun to talk to those guys and just the fact that we're not gonna do it again. You know, just. It, we just kind of commiserated in that a little bit. Um, and then the game rolls around and, you know, I'm at Tokyo Beer, like waiting for people. And you know, the, there's like seven or eight people that show up and we're just all kind of sitting there watching the game. None of us are expecting a win. And all of us are just like, yeah, we're just we're just here. Like, you know, we're degenerates at this point. And we're <laughs> diehards. So yeah. we're just going to stay here, watch, you know, grab a nice beer and just kind of enjoy the game. And that's kind of what happened. Um, and like the first quarter was like, Okay, is this one of those games that's going to turn into some crazy, like, Pac-12, you know, like, just uh, rain just changes the complexion of the game, that that type? Uh, and it did for about a quarter. It was 14-10 at the end of the first quarter, which in also which included a interception on the very first play of the game uh, from Bo Nix with Pat McMorris uh, intercepting it. It also included a nine-yard fumble recovery 
uh, for a touchdown by Noel Williams. It also included a fumble by Fernando Mendoza in which a defensive lineman recovered the ball and was into the end zone, but was ruled down at the one yard line. So it, we got we lost a Pisman candidate in that in that situation <laughs> and ended up with a one yard Bo Nix touchdown run, which I think from the ref's perspective, just stupid. Just give it to the defensive lineman. He's not <laughs> he's never going to be able to call it to get a touchdown ever again in his life. Might as well have just given it to him. Um, and then the second quarter happens and, you know, Mateen scores that 27 yard field goal, which was great. Or, it's nice. Good to see. Good kick. Yep. In the rain too. 14, 13. Um, and then Bo Nix with another touchdown run. 21, 13. I think it was a long, we thought it was like 40 plus that he no, hit. That was the first quarter one. Oh, okay. Okay. That was the first quarter one. Yeah. Uh, second quarter was a 27 yarder. And then it started to grow apart. And then it was 28, 13, then 35, 13 at the half. And Andy and I both were like, all right, coming out of the half, if we score or do anything on this drive, because we were getting the ball back, um, we'll wait. So we waited and we scored. Jane scores. And we're like, okay, cool. Uh, Maybe we'll stay for a little bit longer. So it's 35, 19. Then on the ensuing drive, uh, we, it goes back and forth for a little bit and we're like, okay. And then Oregon scores again, and it's 42-19. And we're like, all right, time to go home. <laughs> and and we both left. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've turned off a Cal game, even in a blowout. And I don't think you and I have ever been at a place where we both like, we both decided, all right, if nothing happens here, let's, let's just go home. And yeah. we both exactly did that. We just were like, yeah, let's just go home. I've done it twice. I've done it twice this season. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah. Not don't feel great about that. Yeah. The the big thing that happened right as we were leaving was Javian yeah, got hurt. And then Javian got hurt. Yeah. So we stayed to see the outcome of that. Yep. And do you want to give the update? Well the update from uh well the update yes today's Sunday. So the update yesterday on Saturday after the game was that he had feeling in all his extremities from Wilcox. That was a net positive. And then today on all of Cal's uh, Instagram and social media pages, they updated saying that he has been discharged from the hospital in Oregon and is on his way back to the Bay Area. So prayers up for, for Javian for a speedy recovery. Um, and uh, yeah, let's just let's just hope that we can uh, see him suiting up sometime in the near future. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. I think that that was super scary for so many reasons and mm-hmm. something that you said while we were at, while we were at Doke beer, which was, you know, there's sometimes where you have that personal conflict with what we actually watch, mm-hmm. which is just like these 200 pound kids running full speed at one another. And I think that's, I've had that thought a lot recently yeah. or like whether it's NFL or college. And I just like watch these hits or like Fernando when he got like laid out against SC and was like down on the ground, like pop back up and like no one, there's no checks. If he had a concussion, like positive that he did. (laughs) And you know, whether the Niners, you know, and Brock having back to back weeks where he's had a potential head injury. Yeah. It's, uh, it's super scary to see. And for someone like that, like that's Oakland and it just hits, it hits home. because It's one of our own. Um, so I'm super glad he's okay. I also think that I'm going to try and do this. I'm, it's probably not going to be great, but if we can take a second and not focus on the whiplash 
of that play and like fundamentally what happened. It's also just very emblematic of the things that I'm super frustrated about, which is that like we just put the ball on the ground and I'm like, don't understand it. It's, it's wild to me. We have these moments in games where we get back within it. We fight back. And I love that. I think there's like that competitive drive that Wilcox loves so much. He's so good at eliciting that. We don't think that we're out of games. Fernando comes to the press conference after USC and says that we're going to be bowl eligible. I mean, I love that. But why is it that we're so bad at executing? I, I do not understand. There's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even, I don't have the slightest clue, but it's, it's really hard. Uh, this game, I think I predicted 45-14 to a buddy of mine. It looked like it was on trend for that. Ended up, they dropped like 69 on us. Oregon is the team that I wish we were. I think offensively, there you could maybe look at this game and say, okay, running game, you know, some things worked. In, from the offense standpoint, I think defense is that's about as of a burn the tape game as you could possibly have. Yeah, like, look, there's b- clear bright spots on this team. Cade is an absolute bright spot coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb, Elam Zawar, absolute bright spot. Like, there's there's clear. I think Brett Johnson's played really well the last back in back to back weeks. Uh, we saw him pick up one of the Oregon players and, and literally like WWE slam him into the ground. <laughs> we all laughed at that one, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's bright spots. But I mean, it's like the pinnacle. It's like peak cow fandom for me, which is like, okay, I'm deciding whether or not to join Rob at the bar. And I am like, okay, great. We're kicking a field goal. If the field goal goes in, I go to the bar. If the field goals miss, I'm not going to go. Then it's field like... Goes in. <laughs> No, field goal field goals blocked, right? Remember uh, that initially, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the guy was like way yep. off size. Yep. So he's like, Polowski's like, dude, the dude was like so off size. So I was like, okay, okay. Well, we'll see. Like, it's blocked. Like, looks like I'm still going to the bar. And then they're like, oh, sideline interference. Whoa. Okay. So now the ball is like, we're in like red zone. We're in the Toyota red zone. And then. The very next play, I now I did not see this. I was listening on the radio. Very next play, interception, right? Yep. You, you called out what actually happened, whether or not that's on Mendoza. It sounds like it wasn't. But it's just this is at this point who we are, and I don't love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't either. Yeah. Because then I'm like, okay, cool, I'm out. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to go to the pool. I'm going to go do an errand, and then I'll see you at halftime. Like, I just like all of a sudden my entire – fandom and then i checked after that and was like oh okay it's like 14 13 or whatever it's close yeah, like i gotta close. get to this bar and then by the time we get the bar we we're down by two touchdowns yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean i don't know there's this like there's something that Dabo said on his on hit while he attacked that that fan tyler which i loved so so much where he talked about how clemson used to be appreciation and now it's expectation i think we are the opposite of that like we have so much appreciation that it's like stagnation. <laughs> Maybe. I've, I'm yeah. like, are my expectations so low <laughs> that I'm just begging to be able to appreciate anything? And we don't accomplish it. No. 
We and know. I am sitting here like borderline checking out. I mean, I'm going to Washington State. I'm going to the big game and I'll watch UCLA while I'm away. I mean, I'm not like, don't get me wrong. When I say checking out, I'm not checking out like most people would check out. But my emotions feel much further from the success of this team than they felt in a long time. Yeah, you're disassociating your emotions to like what you're seeing on the field as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a couple of questions from from fans that we'll we'll talk about at the end that kind of have to do with this, but it's just like a. I think everyone's kind of at the same point now, and it's just like, where do we go? What what do we do? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a that's I think that's the fair point to to kind of go because like these last two games kind of encapsulate like even Wilcox, right? Like. Dude, his comment, I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. His comment after the game, right? Yeah. Uh, Thomas, who's one of our writers at Right for Cal, was at the game, and he was in the presser, and he tweeted this from the presser. It's what Wilcox said. It's quote, I'm more concerned with our team, dot, dot, dot. We've had a harder time against, uh, quote, or parentheses, Oregon. Uh, I've got to do a better job developing the team and recruiting. We were way too far away today. That's yeah. probably the realest he's ever going to talk in terms of just understanding. He's basically saying there's a talent there's a talent gap both with recruiting and the development of talent that we weren't able to compete in this game. And he, he like he knows it's on him. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be weird for him to see Dan Lanning come in you know, D coordinator at Georgia. Yeah. And then have the success that he's had. And then also understanding that Wilcox was up for that job. I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was very, I heard he said the same thing on the radio in the post game. He said yeah. the same exact thing. It's like, yeah, well, at the end of the day, it comes down to recruiting and developing our players. And I haven't done a good enough job of that. I'm like, great. How do we fix it? glad we identified that what are we doing to change it and how do we change it so that when we go into the acc we're not winning four games like we need to go to the acc and win seven to eight games and establish ourselves as mid-tier i'm fine being mid-tier acc fine don't care about being top tier just want to be mid-tier i do not want to be a doormat we have been doormats for so long. It's time. Dude, like, I can go on a rant right now. I'm trying to hold myself from doing that. Um, but, like, it it just, I, we talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, right? Like, it's just, time is a flat circle. Like, there, it's, it's the chicken or the egg. Like, right? Like, that's kind of, that. it's the thing we're doing every single year between a fan base like this, which is, it's the coach that's not good enough, so we need to change our coach, right? But is it really if we're not even addressing the institutional issues that we have as an athletic department? Like, that's kind of the same thing like I go with, with and I talked about this with being a Manchester United fan. Like, we fire our coach because he's not doing well enough. We hire a new one. 
but the issue is are is the ownership group that is unwilling to invest into the club and into the fan base and the stadium that needs dire renovations and it's kind of the same thing here like at what point is like what do we need to happen first i think most people are going to say it's it's probably we need wins before and you know you'll point to other programs but you can't point to other programs without acknowledging that our program and our university is in a very unique position. Like the stuff that we have to go through from an administrative standpoint, just to get players in with grades and all of that stuff is vastly different from any other mid tier program. That's trying to make that jump into that A A or S tier. We don't have that. And then, and then secondly, we don't have the, we genuinely don't have the money. And so which one are we going to solve first? Because I think we've tried the going for the wins thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not. Like, why? And so we keep pointing to that. And we keep saying, I'm not coming to games if we don't start winning. Well, I'm sorry to say, it, it could be that that's part of the problem. Like, you know? And sometimes, yeah, it, it makes... And that's why, like, I, I can't sit on this type of podcast and go, I want Wilcox out. Like, great. Maybe that's my opinion. But me saying that on a podcast like this doesn't waver the decision makers. What and and that's why I think on this podcast, that, that's what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is like I'm speaking not on behalf of the fan base, I'm speaking on behalf of me as a fan. And for me, like, I know my say of that type of stuff has no sway. So I am going to try and, like, uh, verbalize my fandom with that being checked off as something that I cannot influence. And I'm only going to talk about things that I can influence, which is how I watch the game, how I absorb it, how I analyze it, and, like, how how we can improve what we can improve but like a lot of those things it's like out of my control right it's like it's like united fans who like want us to buy like killian mbappe like and other fans just like are like what what are you even talking about sure you can you can like dream about it but at the end of the day it's not our money that they're spending like me buying a jersey doesn't necessarily mean that the glaciers won't leave or stay but at the same time it's not directly influencing the funding for the team like there's it, there's just it there's a lot of decisions that are far far between what I can say on a podcast and what the powers that be are going to decide to do, right? So like yeah. that's that's why I I don't like talking about the let's get Wilcox out and all that, um, because I don't think that changes the fundamental issues of like us trying to succeed as an athletic department. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have had that thought recently, which is, and I said this yesterday to you, which is I can't look at Wilcox and understand why he's failing. Yeah. And that is weird. Because <laughs> I think we could look at Sonny and understand why he was failing. But I don't look at Justin and understand why he's failing. Um, like broadly. I can yeah. point to little things and some things, you know, it's not hard to see some things, but as broad, broad strokes, it was much easier to diagnose Sunny, it's like cool, like nice dude, weird game theory, and uh, great offenses with terrible defense. And then with Wilcox, I see someone that understands 
and can articulate his understanding of football better than anyone I've been around and understands how to invest in, in players and people. I, I, I just don't, there's not like, I mean, for this season, it's like, yeah, the defense is the problem, but I also look at that. And I'm like, dude, we've had the like best talent on the defensive side of the ball we've had in years. He's a head coach that comes from being a D coordinator. I, you know, the SC game was maybe evidence that the defense wasn't as bad, but, and then you watch the Oregon game and just burn the tape. Yeah. Um, I think your voice matters. I think your opinion matters on Aww, thank when you. you decide whether you're in and out on a particular coach that people want to understand, okay, hey, am I... You know, maybe am I on an island with how I'm feeling or do I feel the same way as somebody that spends a lot of time around this program? So I do think like I can understand why people would want to understand your stance. And I also understand you not wanting to give it because it doesn't really serve anyone. And the fundamental question is, is the system broken or is it that because or is it the people that are performing within the system? And I think you're right. It's more likely that our system is broken than it is that a competent coach that had proven success at Cal all of a sudden just became super mediocre or bad. <laughs> and he's not checked out. Like, there's, he's not checked out at all. I mean, this dude loves to win. I see it every single week. You see it in the post game. You see what he says. Puts everything on himself. He has full ownership over it. Like, there's so much there that if it was not football, I'd be like, yes, invest in this person. They have ownership. They have a growth mindset. They have an innate desire to succeed. You don't find people like that everywhere. And they want to succeed at Cal, which is not an easy place to succeed at. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, going into ACC, it is what it is. Like, I just want Wilcox to be as successful as possible. That's it. Yep. Full stop. Yeah. I just want to win seven games. Yep. <laughs> and I... As much as I can look and say, okay, we're going to play Syracuse or we're going to play whoever the hell we're going to play. Louisville, take your pick. Louisville's good this year. Boston College, I don't know. Yep. But if we're going to play this type of football, we're probably going to end up having about five wins. Cannot play this sloppy football. And it's like so silly because we're like, yeah, like open up the offense and like, yeah, it's okay. Turnovers don't matter that much. All true. All true. But the mistakes that we make are the unforgivable mistakes. There's like the forgivable mistakes where you're like, okay, you took a deep shot there. The DB made a nice play. Uh, You know, maybe somebody got the ball out because it was like one of those freak things and hey, shit happens, right? Okay. Those are the forgivable mistakes. We, this season, make unforgivable mistakes in ridiculously consistent fashion. And I think when you see me go from everything is fine and everyone's like, why do you think everything is fine? We're not winning enough, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm like, oh, we're still playing fundamental football. We're still competing. We're close in every game. That was the Wilcox era that I felt like I understood the most. Yeah. We were never out of any matchup. This is the fir- the Oregon game. This week was the first time I I think I can remember that I've looked at a game and I've called a blowout victory for an opponent with Wilcox as our head coach. Because I used to look at it and say, hey, 
no matter who it is, no matter what offense it is, I know we're going to have a chance because we're going to feel the stellar defense and a stellar defense will keep you in a game. Doesn't necessarily win you the game, but it'll keep you in the game. And now last week I looked at this and was like, this is done. And also should I invest time on my Saturday investing in this? And that's a, that's a departure for me in where I've been. And so what, Take that as what you will. I look, I love JW. I want that guy to succeed. I will do everything in my power to make sure that he's successful. That's like, that's at the end of the day. I haven't given up because of the person that I see who is not giving, he hasn't given up. And the second that he gives up, I'm down to find somebody else. Mark Fox gave up. Every <laughs> single year, he said it was a rebuilding year. So people are like, cool, dude. Just He was just, all right, I'm just collecting the paycheck. This is what I'm doing. It's a rebuilding year. We're going to win eight games. Oh, we only won three. Sorry about that. But it was a rebuilding year. <laughs> Mark Fox gave up. Wilcox doesn't give up. He's a competitor. And competitors deserve to be rewarded. But, boy, it's getting hard. It's getting hard to be on this on this hill. It's getting lonely up here. Yep. It's yep. getting lonely. All right, you questions. Might be the only guy left. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> questions, Rob. <laughs> questions. All right, we got a few questions here from folks. First one from our dear friend Sid. Honestly, just heartbroken that those were the last games against USC and Oregon, Oregon especially. I do. I don't know if anyone else felt this, but I felt a spark at the SC game. I'm wondering if we how we can capitalize and get the spark back after the Oregon loss. I don't I think that's a great point that there there was a spark there and I don't see why we wouldn't be able to have that against Washington State and Stanford having mm-hmm. watched both of those teams and the abysmal boring game that they played last week like now's the time <laughs> now's the time in the schedule for us to be able to discover the spark the time is now I think the big game will have a little bit more to it just you know, giving the players really something to latch on to. Yeah. And then Washington State's the last home game in the Pac-12. So in the history of the Pac-12 for us. Yeah. So maybe there's enough floating in the air to kind of... And senior night. And senior night. Yeah. I think maybe there might be enough there to bring out what it was against SC. But I think at the end of the day, the spark that was SC was that that the defense, their defense is terrible. <laughs> I I will say that I think the only spark I felt out of that SC game, and I think still carries over over the last, I think, four weeks-ish, is that the offense has found its identity and the offense is, is humming along. Uh, like, you know, you might say, oh, but we only scored, what, 19 against Oregon? But... Like, Without two turnovers, I think you could put a put. I I put that game. I'm like, okay. I saw us conceivably scoring thirty. Yeah. Based on how the game went, and then, and then our defense. I'm like, okay, cool. Like we gave up like sixty. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. So I think the offense has found its identity. I think the offense found that spark and has continued that spark, probably since the Oregon State game, um, and it's just kind of continued, like. I'm just looking at like even Mendoza, just he had a great Oregon State game at home. The vibes were great. Uh, unfortunately, the loss, his first games at Rice Eccles in Utah, which is probably one of the hardest places to play in the Pac-12. 
and you know he, he does a pretty standout job in my opinion even you know it, with just the four it's just the 14 points but i mean i thought he did all right as a f- true or sophomore redshirt freshman quarterback you know i think and he played amazing against sc regardless of how S- how bad sc's defense is it's still sc and then he goes up to oregon and then you know he struggles exactly like Goff did in that monsoon game <laughs> like that's kind of exactly how it played out like one of his first road games up in the pacific northwest and it's like a, it's just it's not a monsoon like that game was but it was still raining and the weather did play some elements to it so like i'm if we're building as you said like earlier in the year if we're building towards the future and it's with mendoza like i'm seeing i'm seeing the progress here that's correct i'm seeing the trajectory of his progression as a quarterback that's correct that he's starting to get better every game. And it's not like we started him off with the first game of the season and now he's picking up speed. This is only his, this was his fourth game as a starter. And it's like the four games he played was number 15, Oregon State, number 16 at Utah, number 24 SC, and at number six, Oregon. He played four straight freaking ranked opponents, two of them on the road. I, I think, I think we're building towards the future at this point. And that's all I kind of want to, that's, that's the only thing I'm really watching for right now is do I see a progression in Mendoza's mm. growth going forward? So Mendoza um, is your spark. Yeah, I think so. I think he has been the spark. Like that's the thing that we've continued that we've continued since his original start at Oregon State. And that's the spark that's kind of continued. I don't think the defense has found a spark. I think that I think the defense used all of their spark in the Auburn game. <laughs> Dude, no, it's definitely just like Auburn's not that good. Either the, I mean, but I mean, come on. We even as bad as Auburn is, like, oh my goodness, they that game was amazing defensively, yeah. absolutely amazing. We were at every single spot, just on point, just at the right times. Yeah, good, like, point. good it, point. It was incredible. That game was incredible defensively. Um, but yes. Auburn's not terrible. No, I mean they're still going to go bowling. They'll, they, but I their think, offense leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I think they're going to be seven and two ish by the time the Iron Bowl comes around. Not bad. Seven and they're going to be seven and two probably by the time the Iron Bowl comes around. Dude, what? They're five and four. Or sorry, um, eight and four? No, six, seven and four. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm like trying to figure this out. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, because they play Auburn at the very end, and and they're playing <laughs> Arkansas and then New Mexico State, so they'll probably have two more wins. So, how does the SEC get away with New Mexico? Like it just like, all the SEC teams play. Uh, it's insane. Like, yeah, that's insane. Rival that weird game. At, it's at like the UNC area. was playing like Campbell. It's like yeah. what Campbell Soup University? Like <laughs> what is? How is this possible? Yeah. Um, it might be. Okay. It might happen with us because we only have eight conference games starting next year. Cool. I'm down to play Campbell Soup midseason. Yep. yep. That would be great. Yeah. Be great. Okay. Yep. Next right, question. Next question. Uh, John Clemens, how hands-on do you think John? Or <laughs> sorry, how hands-on do you think Wilcox currently is with the defense? Do you think he would or should consider taking over play calling before the end of the season? Should, and should. you should say what you told me at the bar. What did I say at the bar? I said a lot. You of said that our tackling. Bar has been very good against Oregon. Was good against Oregon, yeah. Compared I mean, to the previous game. Every everything we say about Oregon, by the way, needs like an asterisk to like pre-jet injury and post-jet injury. 
because I don't think anyone from Cal or us or anybody watching wanted that game to go on after that injury. It's like, yeah. forget it. Yeah, just call just call the game. It's no, we're not coming back in that game anyways. So just what was call it? Forty three nineteen. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So you mentioned that our tackling had been way better. I look at that as that's kind of the Wilcox special came in, saw the Sonny Dykes defense was like, cool. We're going to learn how to tackle. So I think his involvement is clearly in it. Like you can see it, but uh, it's not enough. Absolutely not enough. Yeah. It it should be, I don't, but I, I, I would guess that he's probably pretty involved. It's just like the product or yeah, you should call plays. You do whatever it takes. I, I'm honestly, I, we gave up 63 points to Oregon. Like, I don't see why Sermon isn't deuces. Like, good night. Yeah. You know, like, you can't because of the relationship, I think, that you have between Jackson and his dad. Like, that's like, would just be super whack. <laughs> but to yep. me, uh, yeah, I mean, the, you look at SC firing Alex Grinch. Okay, yeah. The, the writing's on the wall. Like, this, yep. is, this is broken. So, the sooner we can get... To me, this is like when we fired right after when we fired Musgrave. It's like all eyes were on the offense. Everybody went in. That's why I was like when Grinch was like, oh, and like, look, I understand he's a polarizing character. I was like, cool, bring him in as a consultant. <laughs> I was like, well, we need help from anybody we can get it from. I do not care if it's from the guy who constructed the one defense that we were able to drop 49 points on. We need help. Hey, uh, yeah, I think my take on here is there's there's a lot to unpack but like one first of all we're not in those meetings so like it's really hard for any of us to tell you like how much hands on he is or how much he's not you know people talk about oh but this is his defense but i was like mm, yes he was a former defensive coordinator but like do we really know if it's his defense like do we know if it's his, if it's like his defensive coordinator playbook or if it's sermons like we don't know that we don't fundamentally we, the defense has looked entirely different under tdr versus sermon yeah so I think the coordinator matters a lot. Yeah, definitely. And so that's that's a point to what I'm trying to say is like I don't think this is quote unquote Wilcox's like defensive playbook. I think he's become a head coach, so he's like leaving the defensive, you know, coordinator duties on uh, on the playbook of the defensive side. Same with the offense to whoever the coordinator is. Um, I honestly I'm on the same boat. I think he should consider taking over play call duties, but. I don't think how much that would make a difference because Andy, you've been with the team and, and you know how this works. Like install for a playbook happens early on in the year. Cause you can't just automatically just start pulling off random ass like plays and play design <laughs> and just like import it into a game week at like NCAA 14 <laughs> and, and, you know, change the playbook before you, you press game start and decide it, it would work. Like it, it just football doesn't work like that because we were talking about Michigan right now and all the signals, signal calling, right? Like, all of that changes because you're going to have to put in a new signal for a specific play, specific checks, guys not, you know, not practicing their specific roles on these specific plays. A lot of the times defenses do check and change audible defenses based on what they see on the offense. So if they're going to change into another offense or another defense that they didn't really pr- be, had been practicing all year, that's just a recipe for disaster, <laughs> an actual recipe for disaster. So like, yeah, I, I don't know how that how him taking over play calling duties changes the outcome of what the defense is this season because you're not going to be able to drastically change the one the fundamentals that Andy was talking about and two the actual plays that we're seeing on the field unfold. Well said. Thank you. Appreciate that coming from you. 
Uh, all right, we got two more. Uh, we got from I know one, one from N. Do you think the downgrade in our defense this year will get better next season, or do some coaches on defense need to be replaced? Which coaches are safe, if any? That's his first part of the question, so I'll, I'm going to pause it there, so we can talk about that. Then the second part. I think that anyone on that side of the football should be up for a discussion. I, yeah, there's no one on that side of the football that I'm necessarily looking at saying that I see maybe linebackers. I don't know who's coaching linebackers right now. Well, there's it two, might be Sir, Sermon's doing inside <laughs> and then Vic Soto's doing outside. All right. So I might be okay. keeping Nick Soto. That's are you sure. Are you sure about that? I mean, if we're going to have that discussion, it's like none of that. I mean, remember we were talking at one point, we didn't have a single sack. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, from our edge rushers, right? So it's like fair. I look at that more as like a statement of our D line than I did true. linebackers. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not wrong. Uh, sorry. So if he's coaching outside linebackers, then yeah. I mean, I we've seen some things like we've seen Lou kind of regress. There's been st- statements that maybe he should be moving to more of like a safety position. There's just been stuff that I think we've. But I think at the end of the day, like, I don't know, man. There's a lot of talent on that defense. There's NFL-level talent on that defense, and we're wasting it right now. And I think it starts with a coordinator. You have to fa- find somebody that has a different approach towards uh, how to scheme. Yeah. I think we come in, and it's just – we should be able to contain an Oregon for a half, right? Yeah. And then maybe talent wins out. To me, like, Wilcox's answer about talent is like, yeah, but you can still scheme, like – you look at the Niners, they come out, they they score every single time they have the first possession, right? It's like, because yeah, Kyle yeah. Shanahan just, just Yeah, he just scripts, scripts like, his knows first exactly drive. what's going to happen, yep. right? And they're like, okay, cool, defense going to figure it out. And then then the, that's, I mean, that's what Bill Walsh used to say. You'd like actually have as much scripted to go into the half. And then yep. from there, he had to adapt. It's like, that's what he used to say. I think that if you look at our body of work, like the SE game was super unimpressive in regards to like um, the Utah game was mm-hmm. damning, damning, could not throw the ball. And yet we had nothing with no answer, like no answer for a running game. It was. And so I just sort of see these things happening and I can at least say, hey, like compare this to Tim DeRoyter and those defenses would come in and we would be able to shut people down and we'd be able to take a good offense and throw them out of rhythm or throw them out of what they're, what they're good at and force them to play differently. We didn't always win those games, but we had much more of an impact on the outcome or how the game looked. Uh, we just are not making any level of impact other than, you know, cool. Yeah. We held SC to 50 points. I mean, it's just like, it's Yeah. I yeah. don't know if I there's zero job security on that side of the football. If uh... there's the for me, I think and to, just to wrap up this question, the, the the one that's like I'm torn on is Sermon. Because if I'm judging him as a coordinator, I I don't think he should return. But if I'm judging him as an inside linebackers coach, I think he's the one that's got to stay. Hmm. Because Fascinating. His his development and his and his recruiting like picks at inside linebacker has been fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Like Caleb Elarmsor, we did not think. I mean, that's also we we also have to give 
give credit to the player, right? Who's like investing. And they were talking about how he was in the film room, like all off season and wanting to meet with coaches all the time. Cause he wanted to get better. But like, you know, you also identified that type of talent. So Caleb and then Cade, who has just looked outstanding at inside linebacker as a true yeah. freshman, yeah. you know, his development of, you know, I mean, Jackson was great at, at UW, but like he just came in and filled in just perfectly for this defense, you know, and then of course the guys before were like, we're all stellar. So that's why it's, that's why Sermon's so, it, I'm so torn. I love that answer because it shows you the complexity that actually exists for coaches yep. that I think us as fans don't really think about, which is that like Wilcox probably saying the same thing. I mean, it's it was like, a, Ra- a Regal thing too, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of that, it's kind of that deal. I mean, granted he wasn't a hand in the development, but the recruiting of Arizona under Regal was like stellar, but stellar. got a Brett Johnson. So yeah, I think that's a really good call. out. I mean, that is, that is the challenge with a decision like that. And I mean, you, there's no world. I mean, I don't think Sermon's going to be like, yeah, cool. Just uh, downgrade me to linebackers. It's dope. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen, but yeah, that's, that's spot on. Yeah. All right. Last one, Andy, before we close out, people have commented on right for Cal about what they want to see next, want to see happen next year, such as quote, fire Wilcox end quote, or fire all the defensive coordinators and office coaches quote, or quote, Cal should quit football quote. What do you think Cal needs to do next year to improve? Can we improve? <laughs> and we did kind of talk about this, but anything. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go off like, I have to save everybody another, because we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. We'll talk about this again at the end of the season. Yeah. When, we once decisions it. are made. It's, it's very clear to me that we have a well-funded NIL and we just need to deploy it. Now. Yeah, now yeah. and uh to, to me there's no other area i'd spend more time on than the defensive line yep that's it plain and simple look at what the niners are doing i keep saying it <laughs> just look at yeah. the niners are doing like okay cool there uh, we went out oh yeah we're like okay randy gregory come on in and you're like why would you bring in randy gregory your d line's already stacked you already got hargrave you got armstead you got bosa like why do you even need them oh you thought we were done okay no we're gonna go get chase young <laughs> Invest in the D line for for goodness sakes. Like that is the biggest criticism I have for this coaching staff in this era. Why is Brett Johnson the only D lineman of relevance, dude? We have been rooting for only Brett Johnson for so long. Like go out and throw a shit ton of money at some game changing defensive linemen and outside linebackers and create a defense does not Washington's defense is the perfect example against SC. They didn't play their best game. They didn't look great and it didn't matter because at the, at the end of the day, they're able to do just enough against somebody like Caleb Williams, who's an elite level talent. And like, that's what we're going to need to do. We're not going to have to deal with Caleb Williams or DJU or Cam Ward or the ridiculous, Maybe we do want to deal with Cam Ward at this point. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But I think that that's where that that's what I see. Yeah. It's like it also makes games fun and like sacks see, are fun. Sacks are fun. Defensive pressure is fun. It creates excitement for you knowing that you have someone on the D line 
like the Cincinnati Bengals game tonight, Tyler Fredrickson, yep. Hubbard. Like you see these guys that are lined up, the announcers talking to them like, oh, this guy's, you know, Micah Parsons. And like, it's all they're talking about in the Eagles games. Micah Parsons pressure, like you heard about Bosa. Like that is a premium position for fan viewership. There's no better example. It's the fact that Nam has capitalized Brett Johnson's name in every single post about him for like five years straight. <laughs> so I, I think that we can't afford, I, I don't know, you got to get a new coordinator that can come in and sell somebody on that vision. It's basically, you got to have a higher SPAV for like, let's hire the SPAV of QB pressures and sacks. That's what I want. That's all I want. That's all I've ever wanted, Rob. So so you're <laughs> saying that D'Amico Ryans is coming next year. That's that's what you're telling me right now? Yeah, that's yeah. great. Okay. I heard he was tired of the Texans anyways. <laughs> yeah, he's tired of uh, CJ Stroud throwing five touchdowns today. He already turned it around. He's like, <laughs> he needs a real project. And like he thought the Texans was going to be some work. He's got him going well. He's like, cool, cool, cool. Let me try something else. <laughs> Let me take on Cal. That's the monumental task that I need to take down. Uh. Look, I think I'm on. I'm, you're spot on because uh, the SE game is the perfect example, right? Who was the big game changer for SE in the first and second half? Bear Alexander. Yep. Who did they get that? Who did SE get him from? Was a big transfer portal acquire from Georgia, and he didn't play in the first half, and then in does play in the second half. Well, he, he didn't. Yeah. So if you didn't know, he didn't play in the first half because he was ejected for targeting in the Utah game the week before in the second half. So he was suspended for the first half of the, of the Cal game. So he comes in and then our offensive line just, just couldn't hold him. And that Dude, was it. our run lanes disappeared. disappeared. It was crazy. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that tells you the gravitas that a single very, very good defensive lineman can have. And that's kind of what we're missing. That's what we've been missing. So, yeah, that's it. That's all the questions, Andy. All right. Washington State next week. Mm. See you all there. Senior Come to the night. tailgate. Senior night. Show up. We'll day. be there. Yeah. You know It'll what's hilarious? Day game. Do you know what's hilarious about this? It's like I'm looking at the schedule on calbears.com. <laughs> I'm like, why did they why did they bunch every single like possible appreciation thing into this game? So like let me just let me just go back, right? First game at home against Auburn, it's the gold-out game, right? Second game at home against Idaho, it's hometown hero slash scouts day. Next game against Arizona State at home, Latino Heritage Day and Bay Area Appreciation Day. Oregon State's homecoming and also Parents Weekend and also Education Day. The USC game is formerly the uh, Joe Roth game, but now it was the Hall of Fame – they renamed it as the Hall of Fame Celebration Game and Cheered Spirit Day. Listen to what the Washington State game is and just the 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 amalgam of different things this is. Salute to service, group appreciation day, youth sports day, and senior day. <laughs> I'm so confused as to why all of those things just got smushed into this last game of the season. <laughs> I wonder if it if it allows them to actually give out tickets like to our previous maybe. pod that maybe. like maybe if they say it's a youth day then they they can allocate tickets out maybe that's maybe but that is uh <laughs> it's hilarious it's hilarious <laughs> and it with the last thing it being senior day it doesn't make it sound like we're appreciating like the seniors that are graduating it makes it feel like we're like it's just for the elderly 
because <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. it's talking about youth sports day and then and then senior day. It's like, yeah, for all of our Cal fans that are, you know, 70 and older, come on in, you know, enjoy the day game with us. Enjoy the sunlight. Get your vitamin D in. And it's and the game's presented by Sutter Health. Come on. The script writes itself at this point. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. All aye, right, aye, aye. I'm All gonna right. give you literally one minute to tell us why we should care about this doubleheader tomorrow for Cal basketball. Well, first of all, the women's team played last week in an exhibition game. They lost, but there were a lot of bright spots coming out of that game. Uh, from one of my friends who was at the game, told me that you know you saw a lot of full court press. I think they were trying to just work in a lot of the things that they were experimenting with through camp. Um, so I don't you can't put anything up in the win win loss uh, thing, but for this it's really cool because it's the men's game at six, the women's game at eight thirty. It's our first look at the Mark Madsen era against a team that's not bad. Like they're not it's it's not going to be a cakewalk, particularly for a team where our roster makeup is like it's full turnover and a, a bunch of guys that haven't actually played a real game with each other before. So there's going to be hiccups throughout. There's going to be some defensive lapses because guys are like, oh, I thought you were switching there. I thought I was, you know, not switching there things. And we're, we're, you're going to see a lot of growing pains in this game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends up in a loss. I'm not going to be surprised at all. But like the win loss from this game is not what I'm trying to take away from this game is what I'm trying to take away is what is the offensive identity Mark Madsen is wanting to push here, which is also kind of interesting. I'm going off a slight tangent because we had Mark Madsen and uh, um, IMAC on the banner after a basketball practice last week, which I wasn't there, but our writer uh, Don was. And he did say that Madsen has given all the guys the okay to push the ball and dribble out after a rebound, which means mm. we might see like, you know, a Chet Holmgren or a, or a Victor Wembanyama type of moment where you see Ima corral the rebound and he's just like running down the floor, like dribbling past like three guys. Um, something that we probably would not have ever seen in Mark Madsen. Mark Madsen's probably like, what? The big man can't dribble outside of the, the key. He's Mark not Fox. allowed to touch the ball. Mark Fox. Mark Fox. Sorry. Mark Fox. Mark Fox. <laughs> <laughs> too many marks. Why are there so many damn marks? <laughs> so many marks. It's so many marks. Um, so yeah, it's seeing what the identity of this offense is supposed to look like, what our in or what our emphases are trying to be. And then defensively is is very interesting too, is just because this team looks longer, they look more athletic, they look bigger. So there there's like what are the lineups gonna look like? Are we gonna are we gonna like put some zone out there? Like are we just gonna run full man? Like it's going to be very. It's just, it's just the intrigue is there because we haven't seen anything about this team, so we don't know what to expect from this. Like we're looking at old Mark Madsen like games, you know, at Utah Valley, and we're like, is this the type of thing he wants to run? But then like, I feel like he was running that because the athletes that he had didn't allow him to do some of the other modern things in basketball. So like, we'll see how much that that changes. Um, yeah, can't I mean, wait. It's basketball season, baby. It's Thank basketball goodness. season. Woohoo! Something to watch. <laughs> They're giving away some sick shirts, by the way. For Dang it. um I don't think it's for the I don't think it's for everyone. I think it's just for the first five hundred students. Mm. But you know, usually one of those things, it's like there's there's usually a leftover, so you can kind of 
<laughs> you know, cozy on over after all the students have gone in. You're like, are there any extra shirts? And gotta pull one, but it's like it looks it's it's like a white shirt. It has like dog dog tags on it, and on the dog tag it says Mad Dog. Awesome, genius. Uh, so yeah, they're going with the full Mad Dog Madsen um, thing. So yeah, and then the women's game, of course, is right after, and I think that's going to be fun. The teams looks it's totally revamped um and there's a lot of talent on that women's team also by the way i need to shout this out for terrence but probably the prettiest jumper in all of the pac-12 men's and men's and women's combined is kemry martin just just picture perfect like just i i can't get over watching her her shoot jumpers just because it reminds me of like the basketball we watched growing up of all those mid-range jumpers and and just the form you see in the guys like rip hamilton and ray allen and it just it's it just looks the same every single time she shoots it's just it's so pretty um but yeah so that is tomorrow 6 30 for the men's and eight o'clock for the women love it take us home rob all right that wraps it up for us on the Golden Bear Cast. If you are listening to us, you found us. So I don't need to tell you where to find this podcast, but it is on all podcast platforms of your desires. In terms of how to reach us, you can email us, goldenbearcast at gmail.com. We did get an email a, a couple weeks ago, which was really cool. Um, so a shout out to, to Scott, um, the Miramonte High School um, announcer. Is that what you call it? Stadium announcer? Is that, I think that's what you call it. Uh who sent us an email. Very, very awesome. And uh, on Twitter, you can find us at Golden Bearcast. We're at, Andy, did you know this? The Golden Bearcast on Twitter is currently sitting at 999 followers. <laughs> Pretty cool. One away from a K. One away from a K. So if you don't, if you follow, if you still have Twitter or X and you want to give us a follow and get to that 1,000, we would greatly appreciate it. And I think that's it. And so, as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.